I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy New Year and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and it is the 2019 to my 2020. It's Justin Peach. Uh, not your best. Well, it's because you look in the past and I look to the present. But what about the future? The future none of us can look forward to because it's always bleak, especially with World War Three on the horizon. I guess so. Uh, how's your new year been, Justin? You enjoying 2020? Yep. Back at work. Couldn't wait to get back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. How's it been? Has it been... <laughs> it's been <laughs> rough. Has it been a, a big comeback down to earth? Well, always is, you know. You, you go to you, Christmas break, it's chocolate, it's chocolate, uh, a lot of gin this year. Uh, now Loads it's, of booze. And now it's back to uh, warm porridge in the mornings. And work. And World War Three. That's a maybe. It's a big maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right, Justin, at the start of December, seems like ages ago, oh, but yeah. it was the start of December, we asked our wonderful, wonderful listeners to pick out the top 10 championship players from the past decade. It was interesting, to say the very it least. Was. We have narrowed it down to 10 players. We had one rule. They must have made a minimum of 50 appearances in the championship. So, with that being said... Are we counting down from 10? Yeah. With that being said, let's tell our listeners who they voted for with their top 10 championship players from 2010 to 2019. It's got to be said, it's very attack-based, but yes, I suppose that happens, doesn't it? So let's start with number 10. It's Kasper Schmeichel. Very attack-based. It's Kasper Schmeichel. Exactly. <laughs> uh, don't expect too many goalkeepers or defenders in that matter uh, to be on this list. But first of all, let's talk about Kasper Schmeichel. Because when it comes to players who have played in the Championship and mm-hmm. gone on to have great success, there aren't too many who have done better than old Schmike Dog, is there? <laughs> Schmike Dog. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely. <clears throat> He's been a, an, uh, a player of great envy for probably every club who has been in the championship over the last 10 years because they've they've plucked well he's obviously played most of the decade at Leicester or all of the decade at Leicester um bar season at Leeds so they've obviously plucked him Leicester have plucked him from Leeds um at a relatively low cost um and he's turned into one of the best keepers in England maybe one of the best in Europe yeah yeah that's fair to say and uh, his achievement achievements along the way have been have been you know, pretty astounding, especially in the championship. Yeah, considering who his dad is, it's very easy. Wait, who? Um, it's this guy called Peter. Um, don't know if you've heard of him. He was all right. Okay. Uh, but considering who his dad is, it's very easy for players like Kasper Schmeichel to be, you know, people that have high expectations for him. And like, Kasper like- Schmeichel now is beyond that, really. And is, he's made his own legacy, really, hasn't he? Yeah, you can either be. A Kasper uh, Schmeichel to a Peter Schmeichel or a Darren Ferguson to a Sir Alex Ferguson, can't you? Yes. If you get my drift. <laughs> yeah, I, I do get you. <laughs> um, with that being said, um, this top 10 is based on their time in the Championship. Mm-hmm. And because we have mentioned how he's done since leaving the Championship, yeah. uh, it's easy to forget how good he was in the Championship because mm-hmm. he was... a. a a mainstay really in that Leicester Absolutely. team for the three seasons <clears throat> that he was there as you mentioned had a spell at Leeds as well he, he yeah. was just 
a quality, quality keeper. And it seemed like it was inevitable that he would be in the Premier League one day. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't expecting him to have been as successful as he has been. But yeah, he has been a quality keeper for quite some time now. Really. Well, I know. Absolutely. It's, as you said, it's hard to disagree. You know, he got voted into the Championship Team of the Year twice. Uh, 20, uh, 2012, 2013 and 2013-2014. As far as I'm aware, that's more than any other goalkeeper, I think. Yeah, this decade. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, you know, exceptional to be to be the best keeper <clears throat> two years in a row um, in, a, in, a, in such a competitive league. Um, it's great work. And obviously, coming from where he is, you know, he was at Notts County, which was a weird transfer. And he that went was a to very Leeds. weird transfer. Um, then he went to Leeds. What's um, going to spell at Berry? The loan spell. And Darlington. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's been around the block and he's done his, he's done his um, time around the lower leagues. Mm. You know, I, I think that serves keep as well. You know, you look at Jordan Pickford, who's another example of that. You know, it doesn't it does well and he's, you know, he's reaping the rewards now. Yeah, absolutely. Also worth mentioning, he won the championship in 2013-14 mm-hmm. and then won the Premier League two years later. Championship's harder to win, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's more competitive. Exactly. <laughs> Number nine is Tom Kearney, which is one I completely agree with, actually. I mm-hmm. maybe would have put him slightly higher, considering he is somebody who has been a mainstay for Fulham in yeah. these past few seasons and also had very good spells at Blackburn and Hull as well. Yeah, I mean, I was very surprised who let him go. Um, in the 2012-2013 season. Um, it's weird remembering it, but he was an up-and-coming youngster at that point. Um, and they, they let him go for a, a fairly sizable fee. And then obviously Blackburn let him go to Fulham again for a fairly sizable fee. You know, he's, he spent bar um, bar one season you know, in the Championship. And his, and his return and his influence on the clubs he's been at has been... You know, monumental to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Since he's been at Fulham, really, he's been a quality player and one of the best players Mm -hmm. in the league consistently at every season that he's been at Fulham. I think he, as far as I'm aware, has completed more passes than any other championship player in one season in this decade. And that's when I think it was in his first season at Fulham or maybe his second season. Of course, also got the winning goal at Wembley Uh, for Fulham that season. And He's one of those players who we expect to do a bit better when they did get to the Premier League. Didn't really work out too well, but his time in the Championship is... You probably won't find another centre midfielder who's had as as much of an impact as him, really. Not on a, not on a single team, no. You know, he's, he's taken his game to a different level in terms of his own, in, <clears throat> his own influence on, on, on teams and how they play. You know, without, as we saw last season... Although he made 31 appearances in the Premier League for Fulham, he wasn't fit. Um, you know, when you've got an unfit um, Tom Kearney, who's as good as he is, you know, you're not going to play as well. <clears throat> Again, the season before that, he had his injury problems, but he still managed to be incredibly influential um, to Fulham going up that season. Um, maybe he could get a few more goals. He's not His best return was 12 goals. Um, in the 2016-2017 season. Still quite good for a centre midfielder. No, very good, but he's, he's got nowhere near that since. But he's got six goals in 23 appearances this season, so he you know, could be well on his way to achieving that again. But as, as I've said, his influence on Fulham is, you know, he's, he's their most important player by a mile. Yeah, definitely. Number eight is probably the EFL's most loved player. He's a likeable guy. He's a very likeable guy. It's... Billy Sharp. Hmm. It spells at Leeds, Sheffield United, <coughs> Doncaster, Reading, Forest, and Southampton mm-hmm. all in this period. He's been around the block in this last decade. Oh, but yes. he has always scored goals wherever he's well, actually, let's let's retract on that. He's mostly scored goals <laughs> wherever he's been. Um a debatable one in, in this list, yeah, I think. Yeah. When <coughs> I saw the results of this poll this is a player I thought would be in the top 10 but I feel like his influence on the championship has been a bit overrated is that something you'd agree with Uh, I'd argue that case yeah when you think back to the teams he's played for only really one of them bar Sheffield United last season were competing 
to, to go up and that was his spell at Southampton. You know, he played at Doncaster who had two, well, had, you know, had a couple of fairly, you know, not uninspiring years in the championship. Forest on loan, 2012-2013. Um, Reading. Yeah, Reading again. Uh, Leeds, Leeds wasn't great. Yeah, either. Leeds weren't 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 playing particularly well that uh, 2014 2015 season that he was there. You know, he got five in 33. But you know, going back to his season last season for Sheffield United, he was he was incredible. Uh, and again, the season that he played for Southampton or half season, I should say. You know, he got 19 um, for Doncaster and Southampton that year. He is a good striker, but influence on on teams, I don't think is. You know, there are a lot of strikers like him, especially in this list. Yeah. When um, you look at his goal tallies from this decade, it probably surprises people a bit how, I wouldn't say few goals, but people would have expected him to have done better Mm -hmm. in the championship this decade. I mean, as you mentioned, the the season last season with Sheffield United, he got 23. His next best before that was 13, which mm-hmm. was the season before with Sheffield United. Um, oh, sorry, he got a 15 with Doncaster at the start of the decade. But then he's had quite a few seasons where he's struggled to get double figures, which when you talk about Billy Sharp, you think goals, yeah. really, when maybe he's not been as high-scoring as some of the players on this list. Mm-hmm. And maybe, unf- maybe I'm being a bit unfair here, but that's pretty much all, all Billy Sharp does, really, isn't he? He's just as someone who gets goals. He doesn't offer too much else to the team, does he? No, but then again, you'll have some <clears throat> loyalists to the four four two who say two strikers up front. You need one who's purely just going to get goals and the other one's going to do all the legs. And obviously Billy Sharp is that player who just gets goals. Mm. Um, not criticising his, his play at all because he's a great footballer and he's been a thorn in Derby's side for most of this decade so it's nice that he's now not in the the championship there are quite a few players who have been a thorn in Derby's side over the years so from my own selfish point of view it's great Um, however you know as you say his his goal tally you know to correct you he did get 19 this season that Southampton went up he scored 10 for Doncaster and then 9 for Southampton in the uh, 11-12 season Um, but you know one thing to argue in Billy Sharp's case is goals to games ratio in the championship is probably up there with, with the best because he has spent quite a lot of time on the treatment table and bouncing around on loan. So you can argue, you know, maybe his goals to game ratio probably pushes him up. He gets goals wherever he goes. That's okay. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be on this list. Maybe, maybe I'm saying there are other players who, who I look at and think they've been a bit unfortunate to miss out on this list. Yeah. And. Billy Sharp is one player who mm-hmm. I think his influence on the championship has maybe been a bit overrated yeah. over the years. But he does look like he might be moving back to the championship this month. So that we'll have to wait and see on that if it does happen. Maybe if you take last season out of the equation, he might not make the list. Possibly. Possibly. There's, there is a recency question. bias yeah. to a few of these, it's got to be said. Let's move on then. Number seven is Charlie Austin. This is one which I don't have too much disputing to do with because Charlie Austin, wherever he's gone, he has provided goals. This season has struggled a bit, but has started to find his feet a bit. Mm -hmm. And soon, I think West Brom fans will start to see the player that he was at Burnley and QPR. Yep, Uh, he's an incredibly reliable forward. Incredibly reliable. You don't get too many players like him who have consistently found the net mm-hmm. at wherever club he's been at. I think he's one of those old-fashioned centre-forwards, uh, centre um, but has a fairly modern side to his game. Yeah, You know, he's, he's one of those where you think he's going to put his head in there, he's going to get on the end of a scruffy goal. You know, he's not, he's not nice, <clears throat> nicey-nicey, deep-lying forward, false nine kind of guy. You know, he he scores goals, he gets the job done, and his impact on teams again is is you know, very high. Yeah, as you say, he is known for scoring goals, but at the same time, I feel like his contribution to build up mm-hmm. is something that goes a bit under the radar a yeah. bit because he's a strong lad. He's got a good touch as well, and he holds up the ball well. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, with Charlie Austin, 
he knows where the bloody net is. Uh, absolutely. And you look at some of these goal tallies over the over the past few seasons. I completely forgot he was at Burnley. I've got to say, <laughs> well, twenty five goals in thirty seven appearances yeah. in the twenty twelve thirteen season was his best season from this last decade. And then in the two seasons after that, where he was at uh, QPR, he got seventeen goals for QPR mm-hmm. in the Championship, and then eighteen in the Premier League. So he even bettered his own tally yeah. there. He's somebody who knows where the back end net mm-hmm. is, and there aren't too many strikers who can consistently rack up goals like he can. Mm -hmm. We'll move on to one who did. That was Jordan Rhodes. He's number sixth on this list, which we talk about the recency bias when it comes to some of these. Yeah, Jordan Rhodes' recent form has obviously not been very good and it might have had an impact on his position on this list because at the start of the decade, particularly with his spell at Blackburn, Mm -hmm. my God... He was an he was a goal machine, and I feel like goal machine isn't doing him justice. It was scary, wasn't it? Oh, it was yeah. ridiculous because the the amount of goals he scored, you don't think you, when you look at him, you go you don't go. You scored thirty six goals in the uh, 2011, 20, uh, 2012 season for Huddersfield in League One. Yeah, he was breaking records all over the place, wasn't he? It was unreal. Um, again, another one. It's weird because it, I don't know if it, if it was injuries that affected him or was it this purely he's moved to Borough that. You know, did him mm. harm because since then he's not been the same player, um, no, and it's really frustrating because the three seasons where he was consistently good for for Blackburn, you know, he got twenty seven, twenty five, and twenty one. You play much, pretty much playing all of those games. Um, he was deadly, and it was, you know, not to be harsh on Blackburn, but perhaps if he was playing for a team that was at that point, I know they were trying to get back into Premier League, but let's be honest. They were going through a transition. It was weird. I think they spent like eight million on him, didn't they? They spent eight million on him, and then that had an impact on the rest of the team because the rest of the team was not very good. No, although yeah. we did have a very good partnership with Rudy Gestad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was one season, wasn't it? Something like that. Um, but you know, as I was saying, if he was playing for a team that was competing in the playoffs, playing attacking football, had players around him that could support him, God knows what he could have gone on to. Mm. It, it, it's a very good point because. In a way, I get what you're saying, but there might have been a bit of a a, a kind of case where, because he was the star man in that team, they instantly Perhaps, yeah. just tried to find him, mm-hmm. and that meant he got all the goals. I can't remember off the top of my head what the rest of the goal <laughs> contribution was like for the rest of the Blackburn squad in those days, but I can't imagine it was too great considering they struggled mm-hmm. in those years when uh, Jordan Rhodes was finding the net like it was like he. Well, it was his job, because it was his job. <laughs> <laughs> but as you say, his goal tally, absolutely ridiculous. The spell he had at Huddersfield in League One, it, it was unfair that he was allowed to play in League One. 36 goals in 40 games. That's unbelievable. That's messy standards. It's, it's awful. 40 goals in 45 appearances in all competitions. No, no. Shouldn't have been allowed. But yeah, let's have a quick chat about his recent seasons, because his top score really for the past few seasons is six mm-hmm. past five seasons that is compared to the three seasons at the start of his Blackburn career where he got 27 goals 25 yeah. 21 and now he's got six goals yeah I feel like it's one of those things where when he's retired and he feels like he can be a bit more open about what happened we'll find out mm-hmm. why his career has gone off the rails because it has really hasn't it compared to what it was like yeah, yeah. absolutely it's one of those things where we won't be able to find out really what happened, whether it's something off the pitch or injuries. Something's happened, hasn't it? The Michael Owen effect. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. And it, it does make me a bit sad that somebody who was as good as Jordan mm. Rhodes, who only had six appearances in the Premier League, six for... Borough. Borough. A very blunt Borough. A very blunt Borough side... Had six appearances, no goals, and that's the only crack at the top tier that he's had. Can you can you just imagine if he went up to a team that was it, an attacking team that season? I know Borough went up, mm. um, but they were very defensive under Karanka. But can you imagine if they just went to a team that was just relentless from an attacking point of view? The thing is with Jordan Rhodes, is we were just talking about Charlie Austin's contribution to the build-up. Jordan Rhodes did not offer much to the build-up at all. He was purely standing around in the box... I'll knock in 20 goals mm-hmm. for you. Um, and that's pretty much all he did. But he was bloody good at doing it. 
and now Very Chef, efficient. Chef Wednesday are now finding out that when he doesn't put the ball in the back of net, he doesn't offer much <laughs> else to you. So, uh, but yeah, let's move on to number five. It's another man who loved scoring goals. It's Ross McCormack, and I am a bit annoyed with this because for me, Ross McCormack should be top three. I maybe even top two. I'd agree, yeah, but I understand why he isn't. I think I know why he isn't. Do you want to go first? Well, are we are we going to rule out the gate thing? Is well, I, f- I feel like the gate thing was the start of his downfall, really. Gotcha. <laughs> or maybe just his vo- move to Villa. His move to Villa was a horrendous decision. Yeah. Um, mm. But the goals he scored, the, the type of, the type of goals he scored, the amount he scored, you know, he was the main man at Leeds for four or five seasons. Yeah. Four seasons. The main man at Fulham for two years. And that's when Fulham were very, very poor. Yep. Under Felix Magat and then Kit Simmons. They weren't great, but he still managed to rack up 17 and 21 in two seasons. Um, so 38 goals altogether. And then the move to Villa. Oh. Yeah, the move to Villa was not a good career move, it's got to be said. But as far as um, as far as I'm aware with Ross McCormack, he's the only player to have scored over 20 goals for three different clubs in the Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, not too surprising, those were Cardiff, Leeds and Fulham mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Three sides who weren't in great states, but were well, living off the, his goals. The Cardiff side was fairly effective under Dave Jones. They didn't get promoted under him, did they, though? No, it wasn't until Malky Mackay, they sort of no. got better. But but he, Ross McCormack, obviously a great goal scorer, but going back to what we were saying about Charlie Austin, his build-up play was fantastic because he is the kind of striker who could pass the ball as yep. well. His vision was exceptional. His mm-hmm. ball control, absolutely fantastic. He is pretty much a number 10 who could score goals. How good would he be in the lead side right now? Oh, stop it. I mean, fitness-wise, might Bielsa might have a few questions, but that you go, you go back to the McCormack of 2013, 2014 where he scored 28 goals for four, uh, in 40, 46 experiences for Leeds. Yeah. If you had that McCormack. That McCormack in the Leeds side right now, again, would be unfair. I mean, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's retired. And he's only 33. So, uh, Marcello, you're looking for a strike at the moment, I believe. Oh, so, uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> get uh, Ross on the blower. But yeah, as you say, his, I, I feel like his influence on the Championship in the past five seasons or so has been undermined a bit by his moved to Villa mm-hmm. where he was known for the amount of money he was on yeah. gate gate <laughs> the gate scandal and his moves since then that haven't really worked out he had a loan spell at Forest where he scored one goal went over to Australia which he got 14 goals in 17 games for but it is Australia team. it is Australia Justin I suppose and that's no disrespect to any Australian listeners we've got but when you make a move to Australia, for example, it does signal the end of someone's career, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And as we say, he's only 33. 33 years old. It feels like a proper waste as well, because he's the kind of player. He, he wasn't really known for his pace, was he? He's the kind of player who could still he be was playing. fairly quick over 10 yards. That's why he was so good in the box, because as well as being effective outside the box, with the amount, again, the types of goals he scored was ridiculous, but he was a poacher as well. He had that sharpness to get on the the end of crosses, to get on loose balls in the box. He was a good player. All round, yeah. all round good player. And he's yeah. got headers as well. Yeah, and he's not the tallest man. But no. Ross McCormack, for me, is a complete striker who should be in the top three for me. But let's re- reveal who is in the top four. Number four is Troy Deeney. <sighs> you are yes. a big fan of Troy Deeney at championship level, I believe. I... Big number nines at championship level, I absolutely adore. Okay. Especially number nines who get goals. He and definitely got goals. Troy, De- Troy Deeney is a definition of number nine. He'll rough a centre half up. He'll be a traditional number nine. But he's got, I don't know, a, a continental style of how he plays. You, you mean look- he, he's not your typical target man who, if, if I can use the cliche, he was a big man who could use his feet. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far in terms of cliche. He's not like... The Mark Hughes type of number nine, you know, big chin, you know, cracks elbows, big no. thighs. He, he drops deep for the ball. Again, similar to Kearney, his influence on Watford over the last 10 years has been monumental. Oh, he's, he's Mr. Watford. Yeah, I, yeah, 
he's to def- yeah, he's missed. He's Mister Watford. Yeah, one hundred percent Mister Watford. There's no disputing that. That's why people keep saying he might be the next Watford manager whenever they inevitably sack their next manager over the next few months. He's either going to be the mayor of Watford or the manager of Watford in the next five ten years. Yeah, the king of Watford. If it becomes its own state, yeah. I would. <laughs> but let's I'd talk like- about let's talk about his spell in the championship because he was another one who scored goals for fun. In the 2012-13 season, he got 19. Season mm-hmm. after that, 24. And then 21 in the season when they finally got promoted to the Premier League. He was a great, great goal scorer. And I kind of forgot <coughs> excuse me, how good he was yeah. at scoring goals mm-hmm. when he was at championship level. Because yeah. you look at him in the Premier League now, he does chip in with goals. He's not you know, scoring 20 goals a season, but he's, he's close enough to double figures. And he's doing a decent job in the Premier League, but at Championship level, he was deadly. No, no two ways about that. He he racked up a great partnership with Vidra, um, the 2012-2013 season. I think Vidra won Player of the Year that year, um, and that was I wouldn't say it's purely down to Dini because Vidra was was unplayable that year. But Dini, it was the the, the traditional big man little man partnership. And they both complement uh, complemented each other perfectly. And again, going to the 2014-2015 season, he racked up a, an unbelievable partnership with Odin Nagalo, <laughs> yes. who was came out of nowhere, but again, an incredible player. But those play, those two have moved on from Watford, but Dini stayed. And Dini continually scored goals for them. And that is because he's a good player. You look at this season, he missed the first two or three months of the season. He comes back. And Watford suddenly turned, you know, I know Nigel Pearson's a big factor into it, but their form turns around, the way they play turns around. There's, he's, he's probably been one of the most important players in the Championship over the last 10 years, in my I'm, opinion. I miss Odie and Agarlo. Let's move on, Justin. We are in the top three. Number three. I feel like Leeds fans might have had a bit of an influence on this one. There's a fair few of them. It's Pablo Hernandez. And having said that, I do feel like Pablo Hernandez is deserving of his place in the top 10. People might think no, because A, he plays for Leeds. And secondly, he's someone who's still going at the moment. Mm -hmm. But Pablo Hernandez, when it comes to technical ability, there aren't too many better than him, apart from maybe the top two in this list. (laughs) I mean, when Leeds signed him, it was unbelievable. Because yeah. the type, the caliber of player, the type of player he is, you know, he was, yeah, playing at Valencia. At the, was it start of the decade playing for Valencia? Yeah, he did. Um, and then moving on to to Swansea, where he was very effective. Um, and then he just he just turned up at Leeds one season. It's like, well, hang on a minute. That 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 season for me is when Leeds started to turn it around, started to take things more seriously. Yeah. Pretty much since he's been there. Exactly, really, isn't exactly. Um, and it's obviously not all down to Pablo Hernandez, but again, when you talk about teams who are not overly reliant on in- individuals, but they need individuals playing to play at the peak, he's that he's that player for Leeds. There aren't too many people who have. Basically, Leeds are a lot are a lot better when he's there. Yeah. Simple as that, the, really, isn't it? It's weird saying that because they're, they're they're very very good when he isn't, but it almost you know he can unlock things so easily at this level. Um, and when you consider how old he is, like thirty three, thirty four, yeah, you know it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but he, he as you say, he unlocks things. His vision, his passing, his technical ability, absolutely fantastic. But one thing that does go under the radar, I feel, is how many goals he scores as well. I mean, he got, he got 12 goals last season. Mm-hmm. He nearly got double figures the season before that as well. He is a quality all-round attacking midfielder mm-hmm. and he can play anywhere along the midfield. He is just a great, great player. And Leeds fans will tell you all day how good he is. And if you don't appreciate how good Pablo Hernandez is at this level, you need to... Properly watch him and appreciate. You need how a re-education in football. Exactly. It was, yeah, exactly. In 132 appearances, he's got 28 goals. Which, when you compare it to other attacking midfielders like Tom Ince, who has scored a hatful of goals this year uh, in this decade, um, it's not too many. But you know, 33 assists in that time as well. So that's over. I can't count it off the top of my head because um, it's well, it's over 60 goal <laughs> contributions. Yeah. yeah. Um, in his time at Leeds, 
um, which for one individual player is is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. It's also worth mentioning he did play for Spain ten years ago. At the that's, start of their, that's when their Spain dominant. were very very good. The best, probably one of the best international teams we've ever seen. <clears> so, well done to Pablo Hernandez. We're in the top two, Justin. I feel like this top two was fairly obvious. I did think it would come down to these two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, number Richard, two. Richard Keogh, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Richard Keogh and David Nugent. And so the the top two, it was coming down to these two, and I was wondering which way it would turn out. I'm glad it's turned out this way, because this is probably the way I would have put it down myself. Number two is a Delta Apt. What can you say about Adele Trapped? He was a one-man showboat, wasn't he? He was unbelievable. He would just nutmeg players every single day, even when he probably shouldn't have done it at times. When he was in his own defensive third, he'd Mm -hmm. still try and nutmeg two attackers consecutively. But he did skills, and it worked. He did skills. He did skills. He, (laughs) He did the nutmeg, that kind of thing. He... Was an unbelievable player, and people watch him on on YouTube now and think he was one of the best players ever. He was a very good player, uh, especially at championship level. And sometimes the YouTube kind of aspect of things maybe overhypes how good he was. But he was very good, wasn't he? That the season that QPR went up um, under Neil Warnock, he was miles ahead of anybody. In terms of individual ability, it was miles ahead. Well, I think he nearly got 40 goals and assists in that season. Mm-hmm. He got 19 goals and his assists, I'm pretty sure, were nearly 20 or so. It, in terms of one-man seasons, it doesn't get much better than Adele Trapped yeah. that season. I mean, QPR had a very functional team, but that team was built around Adele Trapped. Oh yeah, if they didn't have him, they probably wouldn't have finished in the playoffs that season. There's a fair argument to be had about Maybe. it. In with with Terapt, he hasn't come close really to replicating mm-hmm. that season, and it's a bit of a disappointment because if he decided he actually enjoyed going to the gym and um, took that side of football a bit more serious, he had the the other side of football that you shouldn't really get involved with. <laughs> he he enjoyed that side a bit too much, mm-hmm. but if he stuck with it. God knows where he could have ended up. Yeah, I mean, he had a spell at AC Milan. <laughs> well, I mean... Which is just like... It's worth mentioning because people will be shouting at this podcast now if we don't mention it. He is actually at Benfica now and I don't watch much Portuguese football, but by all accounts, he has somehow turned into a very good box-to-box midfielder. When I say very good, I'm not talking about Manu should uh, mm. have their scout sent over. But he's turning into a half-decent uh, box-to-box midfielder, mm-hmm. which you would have never put him down as being able to do at the start of this decade. The the the, pe- <coughs> the penny's finally dropping after seven, eight years. I mean, he's thirty now, so you'd have thought you'd have hoped so. But that's like what? again, he's thirty now. So what? Nine years ago, when QPR went up that season, yeah, he was only twenty. Twenty twenty-one. Yeah, unreal. And he was captain. Where could he have been? It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But scored goals. Unbelievable vision, got assists nearly every game, um, and that at the same time would have a bit of pizzazz about it when he did it as well. A bit can, of showmanship. Can you imagine how how much you know, uh, raving there would be from the data community if data was around then? Weird saying that now. I know. I know what you're saying. If the data was the if the data analysts on Twitter were around then, mm-hmm. it would have been interesting to see how good Adele Trapped probably was, because he, the, yeah, I'm I'm just repeating myself at, at the the, su- the successful dribble chart, the key pass chart <laughs> would have been off the scale. Yeah, he he'd have broken the data analysts on Twitter. Let's go to number one, Justin. This is the man I was hoping would be number one. And no, it's not Richard Keogh. Okay, okay. I know you want to say it. Number one is Peter Whittingham. And this makes me very happy because for me, Peter Whittingham is definitely the best player the championship has seen this past decade. Maybe even ever. Yes, and it's the reason why I took a bit of a pause. It's because it's like, well, it's Peter Whittingham. And you don't think 
Peter Whittingham, you don't associate that with being the best around. But my God, he was ridiculous uh, for yeah. Cardiff. Yeah. And again, another player who I wouldn't say Cardiff were overly, uh, overly reliant on him. But, you know, again, goals, assists, dictating play. He was all of that for Cardiff. He had it all. He absolutely had it all. He could score goals, get assists, as you say. 20 goals in the 2009-2010 season from midfield. And I, I don't know how many assists he got that season, but it would have been a decent amount yeah. as well. And he's done it He's done it consistently, yeah. pretty much throughout the whole decade. Mm-hmm. He eventually moved on to Blackburn, where for whatever reason it didn't work out. But It just petered out. Peter Whittingham, Peter Whittingham's out. We'll just go with Peter. Petered out, yeah. I get what you're saying. But yeah, Peter Whittingham, for <clears throat> me, is definitely the um, best championship player from the past decade. He was the kind of player who would consistently be in the discussion for championship player of the year. Yep. And when you consider that he only got promotion once with Cardiff in yeah. that time, it's quite disappointing that he didn't win it more because from what I can see, he only won it once. Oh, no, he never won it, actually. He never won Player of the Year for the Championship, hmm. which is surprising, to say the least, because I think that's it. I think he was just consistently in the in the mm-hmm. um, discussion for who should win it, yeah. but never actually won it. Kind of like Sergio Aguero, I suppose. I guess. Peter Whittingham is the Sergio Aguero of the Championship. Well, he had... Um Three PFA team of the years. Yep. Um, rightly so. And uh, obviously, back in 2015, when the, the Football League was had, you know, it was 10 years after its yeah, rebranding yeah. anniversary, it was voted in the team of the decade then. And I'm sure if there's a team of the decade this year, he will be in it. Well, we, we've put him in our team of the decade, haven't we? I mean, we both put him in our, yeah. te- our respective yeah, yeah. team of the, of the decades. But I it, think he was the first person I put in. Again, I go back to, to Peter Whittingham and it was. Derby had him on loan for a couple of months and he was incredibly average. He played left back. <laughs> I never thought the what left back I never thought the left back at Derby at that time would go on to be one of the best players the championship has ever seen. Well, the best championship player according to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um going back to his spell in the Premier League, only a brief one, obviously, because Cardiff went up and went straight back down under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's a bit like Tom Kearney in his season in the Premier League, where mm. he's been an outstanding individual in the Championship for a number of years, but the the team hasn't quite hit the heights that there was expected of them, and there's you know some unrest uh, behind the scenes at the club. The clubs were unsettled. That's going to have an effect. Um, but he still did it after that, yeah. back when Cardiff came down. And when Cardiff came down, they were very, very poor for a couple of years. And um, it wasn't until Neil Warnock got them back up again yep. that they were yeah, b- uh, back amongst it. Yeah, But because of Peter Whittingham, they were consistently challenging for Absolutely. promotion up to that mm-hmm. point. And without him, God knows where they actually would have been. So that's why Peter Whittingham has been voted the number one championship player from the past decade. Thank you for voting on that. We do have a bit more to talk about, so stay tuned because we'll get on to the other news from the week, Justin. There has been plenty going on, especially on the transfer front. So, first of all, we'll talk about some of the transfers mm-hmm. that have happened, even though we're only five days into 2020. It's, it's been a very busy first five days. It's been a very interesting first five oh, yeah, days. Absolutely. It's got to be said. They're all loans, first of all, that's got to be pointed out. Yeah. But, each one of these I find very interesting, it's got to be said. Middlesbrough have been the most busy so far. They've signed Patrick Roberts mm-hmm. and Lucas Metcher, both from Man City. Yep. Um, what do you make of these? Because we knew Middlesbrough weren't going to be signing too many mm-hmm. permanent transfers uh, this month because their financial situation is not great. So they were going to have to rely on loans. But when yeah. you talk about loan players, these two... Two unbelievable signings, really, aren't they? Uh, no, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of <clears throat> um, Lucas Emetcher. Um, you know, he's not really had an opportunity, I'd say. He, to, he was at Preston, wasn't he? But he, from a goals perspective, he didn't, he didn't do great. He came off the bench quite a lot for Preston. Although Alex Neil rated him very, very highly. Mm. 
and it's easy to see why, you know, in terms of, um, you know, physically to start with, he's ready made for the championship. Um, so he should settle in quickly um, into the league again. He obviously had, he's had experience before here for Key. I think he spent the first half of the season alone at Stuttgart. At Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. Close enough. It's German. <laughs> um, I don't know why I thought Stuttgart. Anyway. Um, so again, in terms of physically settling into a league, the you know England Germany fairly similar. Um, so I think he should settle in quick. Uh, the only worry I have with these two signings is obviously they're both loaning signings. They can't make many permanents, as we know. You can only have five loans in a matchday squad. Borough, I don't know where they see themselves going in terms of financial outlay. I don't think the Patrick Roberts one's going to be very cheap. It's papering over cracks a little bit. I can see where you're coming from. The, the Patrick Roberts one is an interesting one because he was at Norwich in the first half of this season, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. But I, he hardly played mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I was a bit surprised when he went to Norwich. Um, I thought he might move to someone even better, maybe. Well, I read an article about him um, at the start of the season and it, it, it said in terms of where he needs to be, he needs to settle for a year. That's why he was so keen on going back to Celtic. Yeah. Um, he had injury problems. Um, it didn't really work out at um, Hirona in Spain. Yeah, didn't work out at Norwich. It might be one of these lost talent kind of things happening. I hope it isn't because technically he's a very, very good footballer. Very good footballer. Um, but in terms of going to Borough, I do question it to some extent just because of, uh, from an attacking perspective, Borough haven't been you know, great this season. But they need creativity, don't they? They and do. He's the kind of player they, they need. Someone who is a great dribbler, but he's also a very good passer of the ball. When mm-hmm. he was at Celtic, he was their best player for two seasons. Yeah. And I was expecting him to go on to bigger and better things. He's kind of gone sideways, really. And now he has he is at Middlesbrough. This is his chance to um, settle down somewhere because... <coughs> I don't know what his contract situation is, but I imagine he is 22 now. He will be moving somewhere permanent soon. I mean, he turns 23 next month, so I can't imagine he's going to have a chance at Man City now. So he has a chance to put himself in the shop window, maybe um, perform well at Middlesbrough, and Mm -hmm. then show that he can move somewhere permanent in the summer. Then that's fair to say, really, yeah. isn't it? So it could turn out to be a very good move for Middlesbrough. As we say, they need more going forward, don't yeah. they? And Lucas Metcher is another one. I'm not too sure about. He impressed Preston fans. They were disappointed that they didn't get him back yeah. when they found out that he was going to Middlesbrough. So this is one to keep an eye on, definitely. Should we move on to the next one? Let's crack on. Next one is Andre Green who's joined Charlton on loan. Now, Andre Green was at Preston Mm -hmm. in the first half of this season. A move I completely forgot about because I I, I do remember us talking about him joining Preston and thinking that was a good move for Preston. Yeah, and him, yeah. And then it was only last month that I realised he was still at Preston Mm -hmm. and he's hardly played. But now he's gone to Charlton, who, as we've said on this podcast before, they need bodies. Yes, Andre Green fits that category because he's not injured. Again, it's been a weird first half of the season because a lot of players have been recalled by clubs because they're not getting games. Yeah, Andre Green was one of those, and he's gone. He's now gone to Charlton. Um, for Charlton and Andre Green, they're both very, very good moves because at Andre Green's, you know, sort of at that time of his, you know, he's what twenty-one. He needs he needs to be playing games. He needs to be uh, showcasing his talent. Because he's got it, we sh- uh, we saw it at Villa. Um, best part of eighteen months. Yeah, he was an effective player for them. So now it's it's time for him to kick on, and I think at Charlton he's going to get a chance to do that. Yeah, it's definitely time for him to kick on. It's weird because he was playing quite regularly for Villa last season when they got promoted. Yeah, I mean he wasn't you know first name on the team sheet, but he he had plenty of game time. Mm-hmm. But in the loan spells that he's had last season, he was at Portsmouth. And then this season he was at Preston. Both times, hardly got much of a chance. So it, it depends how Villa do this season in the mm-hmm. Premier League and yeah. whether they end up getting relegated because that's still very much a possibility. Yeah. But if they do manage to stay up, he's not going to play for Villa in the Premier League, is he, anytime soon? He needs to no. 
establish himself at championship level and then work up from there. Mm-hmm. As you say, he's only 21, so he's got plenty of time to yeah. forge a career for himself. But this, as you say, I think is a good move for both sides. Yeah, again, a bit like Lucas and uh, Mecher and Patrick Roberts, <clears throat> they all need games. I think in terms of when, when we get to the end of the season, they're all going to put themselves in the shop window for clubs yeah. for permanent transfers. Um probably for the good of their own careers um, I think the next player you're going to talk about is, falls into that same category yeah absolutely the next one is Herbie Kane mm-hmm. who has gone to Hull on loan yes an interesting one it's one that surprised me Herbie Kane was on loan at Doncaster last season mm-hmm. and was very impressive very impressive yeah. he from according to a lot of uh, pundits who watch a league one more than us they thought he was going to be the next big thing um, he had a bad injury at the end of last season yeah. maybe that's a reason why he didn't move in the summer um, but when he moved to Hull I th- was quite taken aback because mm. I don't know maybe I expected him to go to somebody not bigger than Hull somebody who is probably higher in the table than Hull at the moment maybe I don't know I don't think it's a it, it's not when you sort of taking other things into context you know he's, he's reunited with Grant McCann who was at Doncaster last season yep um, I think Herbie Kane's out of contract at the end of the season it wouldn't surprise me he is 21 I thought yeah. he was younger but well, yeah. if if he is out of contract it's definitely a case of put yourself in the shop window son yeah and as well, the thing with Hull is they've got a lot of players out of contract themselves so perhaps Herbie Kane might well end up there permanently and yeah. I think if he puts in the games um, and performances like he did at Doncaster, I think he's going to um, adhere himself to, to Hull fans because, again, he's a player, I think, who can score goals, which Hull need. They need contribution from other areas of the pitch. Herbie Kane offers that, um, so hopefully he can settle in quick um, you know, and start, start putting it into the games. Yeah, absolutely. He, he ended up in the EFL team of the season last season with mm-hmm. Doncaster. Yeah. Uh, a few seasons ago, he was on the long list for the European Golden Boy award um, so he's got potential and he could end up very well being a Premier League player in the future he can score goals he can get assists he's kind of a box to box kind of player so it's definitely a good move for Hull and it fleshes out the rest of the team because we've spoken plenty about uh, you know Bowen Grasicki mm. Eves seems to be finding form Yeah, the rest of the side isn't as impressive as their front three but this is the kind of signing that is impressive. And yeah. we'll have to wait and see how it works out for Hull City. Kieran Dow, he's been recalled from Derby and mm-hmm. has been loaned out to Wigan instead. What did you make of Kieran Dow's short spell at Derby County? It's frustrating because, again, you go onto the YouTube showreel and his, his goals and contributions for Forrest for the best part of two-thirds of the season was was quality. Um, he did he did fairly well at Sheffield United last season. I just don't think Derby was the right club for him. Um, it, no, it's probably the right club at the wrong time. Um, why? Why? Uh, well, they're going through a transition. We know that. Um, in terms of players, there was a, a lack of creativity and perhaps. But surely he's the kind of player you look at for creativity, isn't he? I, d- I just don't think I don't think he is the player you look at for creativity. I think he is a creative player. But in a sense that he's probably more of a box-to-box player. I, I see him more as a box-to-box player than a number 10. Yeah, In terms of physicality, again, he looks fairly lightweight, which might not um, go in his favour, especially in the Championship. You know, If you're trying to get a full season out of him, it might not work. Um, I think the Wigan loan move is a very good move for him because Wigan are starved of creativity and it should give him the chance to show Derby fans what he is capable of and mm. prove them wrong because a lot of them I've seen some of the replies pretty harsh <laughs> um, but maybe to some extent justified because he was very very poor yeah I, I feel like he might have suffered a bit from following on from Mason Mount. well yeah he's in he's in their shadows isn't he yeah uh, that ha- didn't set him up very well We've mentioned players putting themselves in the shop window. I feel like that applies to Kieran Dow more mm-hmm. than anyone because he's 22 now. Yeah, um, He can't have long left on his contract at Everton. So 
this is the chance for him to show that he is capable at playing at this level. Yeah. As you mentioned, he had a good spell at Forest a, a couple of seasons ago. It started off very well, tailed off towards the second half of the season. Sheffield United, he kind of had appearances off the bench. He didn't really start too many games but there. He contributed and he scored he a did. couple of very important goals for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so his career seems to be going backwards a bit from when he was at his high point at Forest, really. Yeah. So he's got a chance to try and turn it around at Wigan. Whether that happens, we'll have to wait and see because Wigan is obviously not the best place to be at the moment considering how crap they're doing this season. And the final one, uh, we won't spend too much on this because we've mentioned it plenty already this season. Eddie Nketiah, his loan at Leeds, has now been cancelled. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise. We thought it was going to happen because he has only started two games at Leeds yep. this season. I think the question is now, where does he go? It's a very good question because at the moment, I don't think Bristol City is the best place for him, which is the one where... Because of their current position. Their current position and the type of striker they need. They need someone, you know, almost a carbon copy of Benny Kofobe, who's very good in the build-up play, who's going to score goals in the box, who's physically imposing. And Eddie Nketiah isn't quite there yet. And it is, it's frustrating that it didn't work out for him at Leeds because, you know, his potential is unreal. Um, so I just think, in terms of his his next his next place, it's very it's it's difficult to to see where he goes now. There are plenty of clubs who need a striker, isn't there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, every fan always says, "Oh, all we need is that one twenty goal a season striker." But there are some clubs who definitely just need a striker more than others. Mm-hmm. A few clubs come to mind. One for me is maybe I was going to say Forest, but I suppose when they've got Lewis Graben, Enketia might not necessarily yeah. get uh, the minutes. They're similar Arsenal. type of strikers, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. As we say, there are plenty of clubs you could do with a striker. Um, maybe a Preston. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I mean, Preston fans have been saying to us on Twitter they love Eddie Enketia. I think Preston would be a good shout. Mm-hmm. Whether it happens, we'll have to wait and see. It seems like Bristol City are leading the race at the moment. But that's one to keep an eye on. The rest of the news from this week, Justin. Wayne Rooney has made his debut for mm-hmm. Derby in midweek. What did you make of his performance? It was very steady, wasn't it? Yeah. You could tell he'd spent a best part of a year and a half in America. Uh, and as well as that, you can also tell he's knocking on a bit. But <laughs> you can also tell how good good a player he is yeah you know to be to to be 34 I've spent 18 months in America but still be spraying passes the way he did um, and just have the know-how to pick out passes um, just shows you how good a player he was um, so yeah I think yeah very steady very steady debut what do you make of his influence on the game because he one thing I uh, took from it was that he didn't have much of the ball when it's somebody of Rooney's quality, it seems like you want him on the ball as much as possible. So, I mean, this is an argument that's followed Rooney out around throughout his whole career. What is his best position? Mm-hmm. What do you think would be his best position in a Derby County side? Everyone keeps saying a, a, a number 10, but I just don't think he's got the legs to do it. It sounds harsh. Um, I just don't think he has the legs to do it. And I think a deeper role would suit him much better because he's got players around him who can who can do the running for him. Um, in terms of his influence on the game, um, probably off the ball, his influence was more important than on it. Um, I read the article by Ryan Conway in the Athletic. Tactically, again, his his influence on the on the game was much more um, influential than um, than you might you might realise. You know, he wasn't creating opportunities left, right, and centre, but he was leading. Players um, again, it was pointed out in the article. Even from throw-ins, he was telling players where to go, and it just seemed to settle Derby a lot more. And I think they've missed that in midfield. They've missed that leader in midfield. It's a shame that Curtis Davis isn't captain anymore. But when you got a player who's won the Champions League, who's captain one of the biggest clubs in the world, <laughs> captain his country, you make him captain. Yeah, I, I suppose that's fair. Sticking with the Rams, Derby's players weren't paid last month (laughs) not paid last month they were paid late last month is what I should say what do you make of this this story came out on the same day that really made his debut yeah Um, a bit of an on story it was very sensationalised 
by the paper that reported it. Yeah, and by a lot of fans of other clubs on Twitter. Yeah. But from what I understand, it was just a case of... The, yeah, it was on. almost like Morris was just waiting for the investment to come in. Yeah. The investment didn't quite come in when he wanted it to. So therefore, he couldn't pay them before the Christmas break. So when it got to, I think it was New Year's Eve, at that point the banks were closed. Yeah. So he couldn't pay the players um, for New Year's Day, so he had to wait till the second. That's it. There's, there's, there's not a fact. Um, it's not the case that there's no money. It's not the case that we're 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 skint. It was just waiting for something. Didn't quite happen on time. Oh crap! It's bank holiday. We'll pay the next day. That's it. Okay. <laughs> East Street Investments has completed its takeover of Charlton ending Roland de Chatelet's spell as owner. We... It's a shame that, isn't it? Is it? He's a good guy. Don't say that. You no, get yeah, it's going to... You'll get Charlton fans riled up. bait Charlton fans. No, he was a terrible owner. Yeah, probably the, <clears throat> one of the worst championships ever seen. He <laughs> absolutely destroyed a very good Charlton side built by Chris Powell. Yeah. And he's the reason... He's the sole reason why they were in the the depths of League One for as long as they were mm. and it's it's only the only reason why they're back out of it is because of the work Lee Bowie has put in not be, not him yeah um, so thank God he's we've seen the back of him because Charlton are they're, they're a good club they spent a long time in the Premier League I like going to the Valley um yeah, it's a shame that he was the owner for for as long as he was. Yeah, absolutely. Grant McCann is unhappy with how Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> treated him and his Hull team on Wednesday. He claims they made him park 10 minutes away and then in the changing rooms, none of the plugs were working. I don't know if Gary Monk had any influence on whether or not the plugs were working. I mean, just to play Imagine music. Just play, playing around with the electrics. Yeah, that when Grant McCann was saying, talking about how Sheffield Wednesday treated him, he said, "Oh, the plugs weren't working, so we couldn't play music." It's an old, it's, like, it's an old ground, Hillsborough. I mean, how many got like any portable speakers? Yeah, I Bluetooth speakers. Yeah. How much money are these footballs on? <laughs> it's a good point. Um, but uh, you know, tactics like this are very old-fashioned, aren't they? I, well, I, I'm all for it. <laughs> Norwich painted the dressing room pink just to lower the uh, yeah. the testosterone in the room. Yeah, I remember that story. It's quite funny, really. I don't know if it's actually worked. I mean, it's not working at the moment, is it? <laughs> well, clearly not. But if I remember rightly, Hillsborough has a very big car park. I can't remember the car park at Hillsborough. But, I mean, walking around, walking 10 minutes down the road is, you know... Guess the blood going in your legs. It's like a pre-warm-up for the, 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 the game. And finally, several, stri- uh, several drivers were stuck in their cars on New Year's Eve in America after getting caught in massive piles of tumbleweed. A highway near it. Washington was closed for hours because of it. Some of the tumbleweed measured up to 30 feet. Not ideal, is it? Not how you want to welcome in the new decade? That, the whole segment then. Oh, tumbleweed. tumbleweed, I get it. One police officer called it Tumblegeddon doesn't really work really does it that no surely there's something better there I can't think of anything off the top of my head but do better police officer from Washington at the start of this episode Justin we asked our listeners three questions two of them FA Cup based first one for you personally would you rather your club give the FA Cup a go or focus on the league my club's doing terrible at the moment okay so I'd like to focus on the FA Cup you want to focus on the FA Cup? I mean, we're, we're, we're terrible at the moment. I don't okay. think we're in danger of relegation. We're not going to get promoted. So why not? 59% said focus on the league. Sports sports. Are you bothered about the FA Cup anymore was the next question. Yes or no? See, I mentioned this at the start, like before the podcast, and I said the third and the fourth round are they're crap. I don't know why. It depends who you get, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Like I love an away. I, I went to Rackerton Stanley last season. I love away trips like that in the FA Cup. But we've got Palace away, and it's very hard to get to Palace. It's a long drive. Haven't gone. I'm not going to miss it. We'll put out the kids. That's pretty much. If you get a bad draw, that's pretty much everyone's FA Cup third round. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, 62% said yes. They are still bothered about the FA Cup anymore. That was. A lot 
less than I was expecting. I thought more people would still be bothered about the FA Cup, but I suppose it is losing its magic a bit, isn't it? I don't. I think the more people talk about it, it losing its magic. I think makes it lose its magic. It makes it makes it lose its magic. But then, you know, I watched the Rochdale Newcastle game yesterday, and the the ground was full. Yeah, that's not losing its magic. Well, it's it's the early stages, as you kind of mentioned, only really are attractive for the lower league clubs nowadays, yeah. aren't they? No, absolutely. Whereas if you're a championship club, it's not as special, especially... It's only really interesting if you get, I don't know, a top six club yeah. or someone ridiculously low yeah. because it's a new experience mm-hmm. and you're kind of one of the interesting stories of the day. Whereas if you're... Derby, for example, yeah. and you get drawn against, I don't know, Palace away. Peterborough. Okay. Yeah. Then it's not very interesting, is it? Because well, I don't know. It's a, it's a nice trip down to London Road. It's a, oh, well, right. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, an away tie for a Championship club is the perfect draw, especially if it's to uh, a League One, to even below that, even the Premier League. We need to move on. Final question was: Where should Justin go on holiday this year? You mentioned that you're considering two places, yes. Santorini and Florence. I chucked in Scarborough for the Bants. And 61% of people said Scarborough. So it looks like you're going to Yorkshire. Um, uh, second was Florence okay. with 24%. Okay. So if you want to take that into consideration as well. I can't take the dog to Florence. You can take him to Scarborough though. Take him to Scarborough. There you go, sorted. Justin, it's time. Craig Bryson Pub Quiz, baby, if you haven't listened to this podcast before. The Craig Bryson Pub Quiz is a nice little section of the show where Justin or me give each other six clues for a championship legend who has made at least 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. All the other person has to do is guess who that championship legend is. It's my turn to ask Justin this week. So he's not going to be a legend, is he? He's just going to have made 200 appearances. He is a legend, in my heart, damn it. Do you want the first clue? Give me the first clue. I've made 206 championship appearances, scoring no goals. That's got to be a goalkeeper. Or is it? Richard Jackson. Is not Richard Jackson. I've made my debut in 1999 for Galway United. So he's Irish. Might not be. If you come through a Galway, you've got to be Irish. Ah, <laughs> uh, 1999... Championship legend, David Ford. Oh, for God's sake. It is, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate, really? Second clue. That's the quickest one ever. (laughs) Unbelievable. Once you narrowed it down to Irish goalkeeper, I suppose it is pretty obvious, really, isn't it? Do you want the rest of the clues, anyway? Go on, then, yeah. (laughs) You've ruined it now. (laughs) I'm sorry, listeners. I have 24 caps for the Republic of Ireland. Okay. In 2013, I became the oldest player to make their competitive debut for Ireland at the age of 33. He made his debut in 1999. Yeah. How old was he? Well, it's quite interesting, actually. Uh, I haven't got his Wikipedia up, so I won't be able to tell you his... The, the correct stats off the top yeah. of my head but he was still playing in Ireland at like the age of like 27 it's very odd yeah and then he went to Millwall I think at the start of the last decade mm-hmm. was there for quite a while yeah, yeah. and then uh, retired last year for Cambridge um, I've played for 11 different clubs but made more appearances for one club than all my other clubs put together Millwall. Millwall I last played for Cambridge United and retired from football after being released in the summer and I gave you a bonus clue. I've had a documentary made about me called Taming the Lion. There you go. I've never seen it. No, never even heard of it. But and he also had a spell at Man- uh, West Ham. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though. 24 caps for Ireland. Um, while not playing top-level football, it's pretty good when you consider that well, Ireland always rely on lower league players anyway, don't yeah, they? Yeah, true, but you, you consider that he's going to be sandwiched in between Shea Given, Kieran Westwood and Darren Randolph. That's pretty good going. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. Fairly underrated. He was he? very good at one point. He was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Anyway, Justin, we have to wrap this up. So, thank you for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week. It's The Christmas period's over. It means we'll be able to give you episodes after games uh, from next weekend, hopefully. Uh, We're not burdened by families. <laughs> We're not burdened by families and the punishing Christmas schedule where there's a new another game every couple of days mm-hmm. and there's a lot of football to take in. But we'll be back next Sunday. 
Thank you for listening. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.